Hooper now offloads. Oh, so close, still short. Blaubanga. There he is! He's over! Hey there, and welcome to Pick and Drive Rugby Podcast. We are two diehard rugby fans having a weekly chat about all things Aussie rugby. We're real, family-friendly, and positive. So get involved. Get involved. Mitch, what a week of rugby. In so many ways, it was disappointing to be a Tars fan, but in about 5,000 other ways, it was fantastic to be an Australian rugby fan. I am pumped after that weekend. How are you? Yeah, I'm, um, it's been a big weekend. It's a very, very exciting weekend for rugby with the launch of Stan Sports, rugby back on free-to-air TV, two really, really exciting and great games of rugby for everyone to watch. And yeah, I mean, the results I, prob- I think were probably a little bit predictable, but they were still really, really great games and lots to dissect. So definitely looking forward to the chat tonight. Well, we've got a lot to go through, but before we touch on that, why don't you start off with our social platforms and then I'll jump into our Super Brew winners for the week. Awesome. So we are on Instagram at hashtag pick underscore drive rugby. We are on Facebook at the pick and drive rugby podcast page. And yes, we are still on Facebook with all the the (laughs) current news shenanigans going on. We're still there. So give us a like and a follow. Um, And we're also at Twitter. So at pick underscore drive rugby. Uh, we're getting more and more vocal on Twitter, so definitely give us a follow and we would love to hear from you all and we'll hopefully retweet some of your stuff as well. Massive shout out to Roz Kelly who follows the pod. Awesome work on the weekend with the broadcast and yes. very keen for the new show that's starting up tomorrow night. So we yeah, wait. was really excited. I was just, I, was, I don't know, I was stoked when I saw that she listens to the pod. Yeah. Um, now, Super Brew. Super Brew. I'm not going to say what rank I am in the tipping <laughs> comp. Uh <laughs> It's beating a friend of the pod, Carlos. So at least I can say that. And he's my work colleague. So it's fun to at least have that over him. <laughs> uh, but can we congratulate Toombs and David Esky, who are the two Golden Cap winners of the round. So congratulations, guys. Deserve it. Um, very well done for picking both the winners and the closest in terms of the margins. Well done. Very well done. Yeah. And they both got bonus points too. So nicely done, boys. That's rude. That's rude. <laughs> Maybe I'll just have to move away from being idealistic about the TARS and start to be a realist. I don't know. I'm not sure if I should make this change first round in, but we'll, we'll have to see what <laughs> we'll I'll have do. To see how it goes. Um, yeah. So anyway, tonight, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be hitting up really quickly just some of the spicy news that's happening from around the globe before we then go into our review. We, we just want to briefly chat about the coverage itself before we talk about the games. So we're just going to chat Stan Sports. We're going to chat the quality of the broadcast, some of the commentary and thoughts and some recommendations that we might have here and there about that before we then dive into a review of round one. Then we're going to be hitting up a bit of a, a bit of a new segment, which we're calling Coach's Corner. So what we're going to do is what would we say if we were the coach to the teams at halftime. So Mitch is going to speak on behalf of Rob Penny to the Waratahs. <laughs> and I am going to speak on behalf of Todd Sampson uh, for the force. So, sorry, Tim, Tim Sampson. Sampson. Yeah. So that's going, to, that's going to be something new before we then dive into our round two, two preview. So, uh, and we'll touch briefly on the round one of New, Zealand, New Zealand's Aotearoa competition. So have I missed anything there? Are we all good to go, Mitch? We are good to go. Sounds great. Let's get into it. Let's go. 
Okay, time for some spicy, spicy news. First up, we're going to look at the domestic side of things, and then we've got a little bit of international stuff to get through as well. So we'll keep this short and sharp. Uh, first one on the domestic front, Who, for those of you who didn't catch the game on the weekend, for the Waratahs number 13, Isaiah Parisi, he did unfortunately cop a red card. It was definitely warranted at the time, and we will get into some of the discussion around that in the game. But he has subsequently today been announced that he copped a three match game ban which will see him out of super rugby for the next for the time being he won't be back until round six i think it was round six yeah okay that i was like round six but that doesn't sound right but yes round six so very well into the season with this this short competition and what's your thoughts around that Look, completely deserved. Um, I think a three-match ban is probably fair. The only challenge for him, well, actually, there's a major challenge, is that he had a one-year deal with the Tars, yep. and he's now missing if like more than half of the season, considering we've got two buys in there. There's only eight games, so it's it's rough for him, uh, at, but it's his own fault. It was a needless and unnecessary tackle, so we'll have to move on. Yeah, I guess the one... Uh, positive or positive for him um, in this d- dark, bad time is that he will be back for the, the rematch when we do play the Queensland Reds at home. So maybe we he might see him come back and sort of redeem himself. I don't know, but that's what he can look forward to. So move in the same vein of the Waratahs, there was two big injuries that came out of the game on the weekend, and that was to Jake Gordon and Joey Walton. So Jake Gordon is the Waratahs captain at the moment, and he limped off in the 65th minute with an ankle injury. Joey Walton left the field shortly before him, also with an ankle injury. Both of them doing separate injuries, separate ankles. At the moment, we, at the time of recording, we don't have an official diagnosis or how long they're going to be out of the game. But early this evening, um, I've just forgot Penny. Rob Penny. Rob Penny. Oh, I always do that. <laughs> Rob Penny did announce that they are at least planning to have both of the guys out of the team for the next two weeks, if not for longer. And that's a massive blow to the Waratahs. Ando, what are your thoughts? Uh, it is, like you just said, a massive blow. He was one of the most experienced players in that back line. The captain, too, was fantastic for the first part of the game, obviously scoring that wonderful try in the third minute had played incredibly well in the trial as well against the reds so he was shaping up to have a really good season and now that looks i i think he's going to be out for more than two two weeks he was in a lot of pain on the field so we'll go through this in more detail but it's a massive massive blow for the waratahs and we'll talk more about the replacements and what we'll do later cool um, next point, we just wanted to bring to everyone's attention that Stan Sport has announced that they are having, they're calling it a magazine type show on Tuesday night, 8 p.m. So tomorrow night um, on Stan Sport. It's called Rugby Heaven, as to the old Sydney Morning Herald rugby column that they used to run. It's going to be great. Ros Kelly is hosting it. And we're going to, we've already seen a little bit of insight to some of the stuff they've done. Don't know if you saw it, Ando, um, at the end of the coverage for the Brumbies game, but they had mic'd up Rob Kearney and had a, a cam on him the whole game. So they've shown little bit snippets of his interaction throughout the game. And they're going to see the full thing in this, this new format. And it's great. It's a new insight into the game, a lot more analysis. It's going to be really exciting. So everyone get around that. That sounds fantastic. Very, very keen. I'll be like, I, like I've said, kids will be in bed. TV will be on. I'm ready to go. <laughs> Beer in hand. Love it. Yep. Yep. All right. Now shifting to the international side of things, we have some massive news out of France and this could really shape up or shake up, sorry, six nations moving forward. France has announced that five of their players, including 
all-star halfback Anton Dupont have been confirmed to have COVID. Massive, massive ramifications around this for the French team. Yeah, so the French team has been basically the standout team in the Six Nations so far. Uh, They're going up against Scotland, who have really, they secured an impressive 11-6 win away in the first round and then just lost 25-24 at home to Wales. So Scotland are by far no easy beats. And now with particularly DuPont gone, he's talismanic for that team. So we'll see how they'll be able to cover for him. Uh, I'm still expecting France to get the win, but it'll be an interesting, well, is the game interesting still going way to ahead? see how they cover for his loss. Pardon? Is the game still going ahead? Because last I heard their coach also had COVID. Yeah, he, he tested positive after the match. Uh, but there's nothing saying that the match will not go, will, will be cancelled. So it should be going ahead. The the restrictions around like COVID isolation periods and stuff in the UK, in Europe are so different to Australia. Right. So the game should still be going ahead. That's interesting. That's a tough one. Five players and the coach all with confirmed COVID cases in Australia, they would have been shutting that down completely. Yep. Yep, exactly. Uh, also, the line-out coach as well has tested positive. So, yes, the game from what I'm currently reading is still going ahead. And if it was in Australia, it would have been shut down for like six months. Yeah. So, very, very different. Massive, massive news. And the last point we have is that Dan Carter has announced that he's officially retiring from rugby. So, all the best to Dan Carter. He's had a great career. We've loved seeing him. He he is, without a doubt, the number one player in the world. Probably the best to have ever played the sport so far. Um, and he's had such a great career. It's just been amazing to see him play. And it's going to be a bit different. It's going to be a bit strange now, not seeing him hanging around in some some aspects in New Zealand. Yeah, I'm so cut. We didn't get to see him last season. For he, he was with the Blues, wasn't he? Simon he was. with the Blues. Uh, we never got to see him run out for him, but that that would have just been amazing. But all the best to Dan Carter. He was always just a a quality player who never resorted to anything kind of underhanded. He just used his skill and class to absolutely shred us on so many occasions and well-deserved, fantastic career and well-deserved retirement. So I hope he still, I hope he stays involved with the, with the game at some level. I'm sure he will. He's too much of a legend. He's got too much rugby IP in that brain of his to not share in some capacity. I hear there's, um, I hear there's a backs coach going at the the Wallabies. So Dan Carter hit us up. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? (laughs) How good. Uh, Well, that that, uh, finishes up the news for now. So let's move on to our stand review or I guess our stand focus. Let's go. Let's go. All right. Now we're moving on to Stan Sports. And I just want to say a huge congratulations to everybody involved at Stan Sports AU, Nine Wide World of Sports, everybody that was involved in getting this to air. Uh, I think some of the best ways that we could be describing it is it was a breath of fresh air. It was a new dawn, a new beginning. The world is not a perfect place now. However, it is slightly better because <laughs> rugby is now with Stan and on Channel 9. And um, I. Yeah, not Frida. It's so good. There are so many good things about it. Now, I might just start off with this quick kind of factoid for you, but we had around about 200,000 um, viewers. Viewers is yep, the right views, word? 200,000 pundits across Nine Gem and Stan Sport, which is approximately, I think, with 150% increase on the previous year. That's crazy. I've, it's so just missed, I've just missed a stat. I had it written down somewhere, but I'm sorry. That's but good. either way, it's a significant increase from... 2020s coverage and that just shows the interest that they've been able to garner and the fact that i think people were ready for a change from fox sports um 
on the pod, we are pretty well known for our negative views on Fox Sports' coverage over the last couple of years. Historically, their contribution to the game has been invaluable. But over the last couple of years, it seems to be a bit of a broken marriage where people just needed to needed to separate and spend some time apart and breathe new life. So that's where we're at now. What did you think? What were some of the things that really stood out to you, Mitch, from the coverage that you just thought, yes, this is good? I really enjoyed the hype leading into the game. Now, a lot of I put something out on Twitter about how much I enjoyed it and got a bit of flack from people saying that it was a bit too self-pompous and they turned it off and they couldn't stand it. But turn into any Channel 9 uh, rugby league game on a Saturday afternoon and you get this kind of stuff. Come come finals time or state of origin, it got even worse. Uh, I've always wanted something like this for Union to be able to highlight some of the play, the players we've got the differences of the game just really bring it into that sort of 2020 time frame um and it was just great to see so we had a little montage for those that missed it of all the different uh panel members and their contributions to the sport what they're going to bring to the coverage and some of the highlights over the last few years and it was just really great it was just a really good feel a good feel good moment for the sport to really just uh, I guess an arrival that we have moved onto a new platform. We're doing something different. It's going to, it's still going to be rugby, but it's going to be presented in a different way. So I really enjoyed that. Yeah. I mean, a big part of what Andrew Swain was saying when we were chatting to him the previous week was that they were trying to bring in a bit of a narrative, a bit of a storytelling element to the coverage. And whilst I don't think it was perfect, I think it was improved and there were elements of that. So in the pre-match build up for the red stars they had the they'd obviously spent time going out with the queensland reds on their reds to regions trip and so they had interviews with harry wilson and william wright and some of the other players with what they got up to and it was just the production value of the actual footage and the actual commentary itself was really high but what it also helped to do was just create this narrative of rugby being something that has this community aspect to it that's going out into the regions it's not just a metropolitan game it's something that all aspects of Australians or at least more aspects of Australian society can be engaging with. And I would love to see more of that from the other clubs as well. It's something that the Queensland Reds have done at a fantastic level for the last few years. Uh, And I know that the other clubs do get out and about, but obviously there's just not that level of uh, internal media coverage for it. And I really liked what Stan Sports did by including or going out, participating and including some of that within the pre-match uh, broadcast. Yeah, I think we will see that more and more as the season wears on. So this was uh, that game, the Reds um, Waratahs game was the prime game of the round. It was also shown on Channel Nine. There was more time for them to do the hype because there wasn't the back-to-back games like in the Western Force game, starting not that long after the end of the the Nine game. Um, and it was the Reds home game as well. So they were definitely the focus and they were showing insights into that team, trying to pump them up, um, get excited about the Waratahs a little bit. But I'm sure when in future weeks, when we see the Waratahs hosting their first home game on Channel 9 for that Saturday night spot, um, they will be the focus as well. So we'll definitely see some of that. And we previously spoke about Rugby Heaven as well. I think that's going to add a whole nother um, level of insight into the teams. We'll get, I imagine they'll get players involved into those coverages. They'll invite them in. They We'll be able to dissect some of the game we've seen on the weekend, just discuss how things went, just be a little bit more open and, and bring fans into the sport like we've, we haven't really had access in the last few years. 
Yeah, I'll just skim through a couple of other points because I think we should move on to the game relatively soon. But I'll just quickly say there were some issues that people were, uh, well, particularly Fox Sports were harping on about a bunch of the pub streaming. <laughs> I mean, do issues. we really, do we really um, believe? Should we just ban say? Should we just ban those words now? In, I think so. On our podcast, okay. Some other news outlet was complaining about um, the fact that some pubs weren't able to stream the uh, Force Brumbies game. To which I say, upgrade your TV or just get some type of set-top box like an Apple TV or something equivalent or a Chromecast. It's really not hard. We did that and it's super easy. Our TV was too old. We just got an Apple TV and it's been a fantastic purchase. Just get over it. Um, The other point was I really, really enjoyed, number one, the quality of analysis. I thought Michael Checker's edition alongside Alana Ferguson with some of the analysis they did about the backline plays was just fantastic. Um, it was really, really insightful. And you didn't have Checker having to put on a role as head coach. He was just able to deliver his knowledge of the game. And because he's always been known as a guy who's, who's a very good bloke. When you have a conversation with him, it seems that everybody says positive things about him as a person. It's just when he's in that head coach environment, the stress requires him to behave in a certain way or makes him behave in a certain way. So in this environment, he was fantastic. And I just really wasn't a big fan of some of the negative criticism that people were just throwing at Checker. It seems that people just have a bandwagon that they think and then refuse to adjust that no matter the evidence. And as I say those words, I think that's just a marker of modern society. Mm-hmm. But uh, that, that's another issue. The final thing I'll say is that the, the 4K camera that's down at the try lines whenever there's a try scored is just beautiful. It's just pristine. So getting those celebrations once players dive in for the try and everybody else is coming and jumping and hollering and hooting, it's just, it adds this extra level of, uh, of connection to the players and the emotions, which I really, really valued. So that's my, that's my quick kind of was summary. It, and was overview. it just me or did that camera seem to be struggling a little bit with the focusing? It, I it may well. When they were sort of walking, it was sort of... Fo- pan between focusing on the player and then a player coming in or the crowd and I found it probably wasn't as um, polished as it will be in the next few weeks but yeah definitely a great addition maybe I didn't notice it either way okay. uh, it's a good start and I'm loving where they're going with things what any any quick comments from you yeah I'm also just excited for where we're going to go from here like this was round one opening night we already saw a few innovations Andrew Swain um, highlighted a few more that we're going to get. So he spoke of, around getting closer to the scrum through spider cam, that kind of thing. That wasn't anything that we did see a lot of. So um, I don't know when that will come in, whether it will be sort of an international side of things with Wallabies games where they'll have the spider cam in operation, but I'm really looking forward to seeing what else they can do as the season wears yeah. on. Yeah. Imagine the spider cam following the unfurling of a backline move off the back of a scrum. Yeah. That would just be so attractive in so many ways. Like I just love it when you see those from some of the top tier European games, that'd be incredible. So anyway, that's enough of us harping on about Stan Sports. It was a great job. It wasn't perfect. They're going to improve beyond this, but it was a good start. And I hope that Andrew Swain's brain has stopped melting out of his ears now and he can have a little bit of rest. The whole team can have a little bit of rest and then get back up for, well, I guess, Tonight, when you're listening to this pod, Tuesday night's um, Tuesday night show, and then for the games on the weekend. Shall we move on to our review of round one? Let's do it.
All right, so let's talk some rugby. We are back into Super Rugby AU for 2021. We had two games on Friday night. Game one saw the Reds host the Waratahs in Brisbane, and game two saw the Western Force host the Brumbies in Perth. We'll focus first on game one, and unfortunately for Waratahs fans all across Australia, this was not the game for us. So the final score was 41-7. to The Waratahs did score the first points of the season, I will claim that as our victory. (laughs) Jake Gordon scored the first try in the third minute. And from there, it just went downhill and the wheels really did fall off. Um, Ando, what were your general thoughts about this this game? Look, my general thoughts are that the optimism that we had going into the season, I think was very much influenced by Will Harrison's optimism in the pod (laughs) that we did with him. And... Fair enough. He he had some genuine points, which makes sense at the time. And I still believe them to be true that they're a young team. They don't have much expectation on them because of that. And they can play with a little bit more freedom as a result. The problem is that when you don't front up like up front, then your team, your backline can't fire. And yeah. our strength, our team's strength was it's wide attacking play. And you can't play that type of game when your forward pack is getting dominated across the field. Yeah. And that's really what we saw happen for large parts of the game. So I was really, really disappointed from a Waratahs perspective. I thought that the Reds were a lot more polished, a lot more clinical, a lot more physical within the way that they played. But also as a Reds fan, yeah, you're going to be stoked with a 41-7 win over the Waratahs. Don't get me wrong. Congratulations. My question is what happened after the 18th minute until the 71st minute? Why did they not score? Well, actually 19th is when O'Connor got the conversion. Why was there no Why were there no points scored during that time period at all? And we even had a red card during that time as well. So the Reds should be very, very happy about their win. But also I'm betting that Brad Thorne and the coaching staff aren't going to be happy that they weren't as ruthless as they could have been with the one-man advantage against a really struggling Waratahs team. Yeah, I um, yeah, very similar to what you were saying there. I came into this game hopeful, um, but not optimistic that the Waratahs were going to do all that well. Um, I had tipped the Reds. I do think the Reds will get to the final this year and potentially take it out. Um, but yeah, it's, they started well. And I was really hopeful when Jake Gordon scored that first try. But then come sort of 15, 20 minute mark, we started to slow down. We just seemed to be off the pace and we started to make some silly decisions and the Reds were really clinical in this game. So um, we just weren't quite up to the level that I think we need. We definitely needed to be, but we were required at this level as well. Um, I, I was. This was a funny one for me because, as I said, I have been backing the Reds to to win it out. So I wasn't as upset um, in a Waratahs game that I normally am. There was a lot of um, <laughs> comments from the people that I was watching the game with. That, oh, you're being very quiet, Mitch. Like you're not you're not as upset as you would be by a normal Waratahs game if they're getting smashed by the Reds. So I feel like I've sort of, I'm on the fence here. I'm happy with the results of the Reds, but I'm disappointed by the results of the Waratahs. I think what you were saying before, Ando, around there's question marks that have come up against this Red side because they didn't score more points in that kind of middle 35 uh, minutes of the game. The other thing we do need to be aware of is that they've actually done everything they possibly could. They got the best outcome from this game. They've put the Waratahs yeah, to the, yeah. score, the sword. They've scored their biggest victory against the Waratahs and they secured the bonus point. So 
whilst yes, they probably should have done more in that middle part, I don't think Brad Thorne would be that upset because they still got everything they needed out of this game. And they came away oh. with very little injuries as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I Look, I agree with all of those points you just made. I just think if the coaching staff at the Reds are looking for something to have a learning from, which is just the worst English ever, and I hate that it's a part of the sporting landscape right now. Oh, you take some real things from this game. It's not a word, guys. You, you can't use it like that. <laughs> but anyway, I think if they're going to, um, it will be that fact that where they, they had these opportunities to be more clinical and they didn't. Uh, their line out, both teams' lineouts weren't as good as you would want them to be. Reds was operating at 75%. Waratahs at 80%. I just, yeah, I think there's some areas to improve on, obviously, for the Waratahs. Many, many areas, particularly in the scrum. Um, but the Reds will have some work-ons within the happy feelings of a very comprehensive win where they got the bonus point and the biggest victory. So yep. uh, were there any players that stood out particularly for you, mate? I've got, I've got a couple, but I'll let you jump in. Yeah, I'll start with the Waratahs because there probably wasn't as many there as, as we could have <laughs> hoped for. Um, Jake Gordon was great while he was on the field. He probably overplayed his hand a little bit. He was very, very involved. And I mean, he is the number nine, so he does need to be involved. But there was a lot of times where he was probably trying a little bit too hard. Um but in saying that, he did score their only try and he did set up some of the better things that the, the Tars did. Um, I was also really impressed with Carlo Tizano as well. Um, yes. We spoke in the preseason that these six and sevens everywhere across the park this year really need – this is their chance to step up this year because Hooper's not around. They can really cement their space, their place, and potentially push for Wallaby's high selection in that back three. So – yeah, he started the season really well. He was definitely on the ball presence and he was making some massive hits around the park. So I was really yep. impressed. Considering he's only had a few games or a few minutes of game time in previous years, um, he did really well. I'll just jump in there quickly because Carlo Dezano, I'll, I'll throw some stats at you just for a bit of fun. He had nine runs for 44 meters, which was about the third highest. In, yeah, it was the third highest in the team. Uh, two defenders beaten, but the most impressive stat for him, 25 tackles. 25 tackles with only two missed. And so he is two and a half times the next highest tackler with Harry Johnson Holmes. So that was just an incredible shift. He's come off with a slight hamstring twinge uh, after the game, which is not particularly surprising considering it's the beginning of the season. And he got through an absolute mountain of work. Even on the red side, the closest was um, Angus Scott Young, who was on 16 tackles. Yep. Uh, just to stick with the Tars for a moment before we name basically every single Reds player <laughs> as an impressive player. Um, I was also really happy with um, Dave Parecki. So it turns yeah. out he exists and he, he is not a ghost. So that, that's good to know that he is a real human being and actually t- can take the field. So I he, was so disappointed. From- I just want to say, I'm so disappointed <laughs> that you weren't watching this game live because when he came on, I was going to text you and like, he does exist and he's good. <laughs> <laughs> and that's my point. He was really good. Yeah. So, I mean, look, he was really good in a couple of ways that you don't expect your hooker to be really good. Okay. So he made four runs, 49 meters. So second only to Jack Maddox because of that awesome break he made down a wing. Uh, had one clean break, two defenders beaten. Uh, but the problem was our scrum got absolutely monstered. And your hooker is a key component of that. And the scrum was totally monstered, particularly in the second half. So I'm not solely blaming Parecki for that. But he was a part of that unit 
which was getting dominated and you need to you need your hooker to be able to have a better impact on a scrum you also need your whole scrum to freaking be better we were so poor but i personally think the second row left a lot to be desired for the waratahs this round these both guys haven't played in this setup before but coming in there's a fair bit of hype from them being both new zealand guys they've signed from new zealand provinces so they've had experience at super rugby or at least one of them has um and yeah, they didn't really stand out at all. It was kind of the Rob Simmons effect again. They were sort of seen jumping in the lineup, but that was really about it. And they kind of went backwards a fair bit in the scrum. So I was, I'm not massively set on them. I would really like to see Sam Wikes get a, a go in the next few weeks, but I think he might have an injury. I hadn't heard about that. Yeah. Uh, whilst we're talking, I'll quickly check the draft rugby list, which is just absolutely fantastic. Um, no, there's nothing on There's okay. nothing on here about Interesting Sam Wikes. Then. Yep. Um, okay. Why don't we shift across to the Reds and which player do you want to pick to say they had a good game? Because there are so many you can choose from. Yeah, Seru Uru. Yes, he was. He was a revelation, huh? He was. It's very exciting. They did something different. He's been a back rower for the most of his career, and Brad Thorns told him to beef up a little bit, get a bit heavier, and he's put him in the second row. And he was playing as a number eight. He was getting around the field. He was being very loose, um, and it, it worked. It's a good. It's a good little insight. It's something that potentially we could look at doing maybe in the Wallabies that might add a different sort of aspect of getting some looser playing number fours and number fives. Yeah, he was really, really impressive, particularly on short side plays for the Reds. So they'd go a bit wide, work at one or two in, and then go back out to Uru, who would be able to get his arms through the tackle because usually it was a couple of weak, a uh, couple of the backs that were on him. So he'd be able to lift his shoulders up through the tackle and then get the offload. And a few of the early tries, like in that nine-minute period of Jock Campbell's trying to ninth minute, Alex Murphy fourteen, Dongunu in eighteen, a huge involvement within those was Uru on the short side. Yeah. And so that was, they obviously targeted something within Waratah's D there, or at least were playing to Uru's strength of being a back row and being very comfortable playing with a bit of width. So I was really, really impressed with him. He's continued his fine form from the trials match. And I hope he continues, move, continues it moving forward. It'll be interesting when Sawakai Loto comes back from his ban uh, after round two to see whether... Uh, he just walks straight back into the team. Whether Uru stays in or Blythe gets dropped, it, that, that'll be a fascinating uh, coaching decision for the Red staff. Yeah, I'm glad I'm not in that room because that would be a big decision. Yep. Yeah, who else stood out right. for you, Andy? I uh, just trying to think who else. There, there was too James many. O'Connor. On- yeah. <laughs> Tay McDermott and James O'Connor, you always expect your 9 and 10 to be influential, particularly when your forward pack has a dominance. So I'm kind of not going to speak to them too much, except to say O'Connor's tactical kicking was vastly improved, except for that one dropout that he kicked straight into touch. But beyond that, he had some really, really nice touches, got a quality 50-22 as well. He looked a lot more assured, but it's easy to be kicking well tactically when your team is on the front foot. Uh, I was going to say it it helps a lot too and and gives you a bit more, uh, relieves a bit of the pressure and you've got um, Tupo on the bench because as you, as we saw in that, he kicked it out into touch on the full comes back for a five meter Waratah scrum. And then we get completely pushed about 40 (laughs) meters off the the mark and lose our own ball. Yep. Like wake up Waratahs. Come on. 
I uh, know, but then what's your option? Give them another kick? I mean, yeah, you could do that, but that's admitting that you can't hold your own scrum. And I'm sure there's a bit of machismo within there that says, no, we can't do that. Um, so the player that I wanted to really hype up, really, it's the two props. So Xander and Fotowaki, or Fotowaka. Yeah. They were coming into this, you would have expected Johnson, Holmes, Horton and Bell to have it over the Reds front row. Okay, particularly with the fact that Tupu, Tupo was starting on the bench. So with those three on the, well, those two on a Reds starting side, I thought the Waratahs would have a scrum ascendancy and they really didn't. So a huge amount of kudos needs to go towards those two. So Xander and Fotuaka, they were, they were fantastic. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I don't really know what went wrong with the Waratahs scrum. We saw them doing really well in the trial. Harry Johnson Holmes particularly played very well in that trial and was sort of handing out scrum lessons. But when it came yeah. to round one, I don't know what happened, but it just sort of switched and they were going backwards. We lost three of our own feeds, which is unheard of at this level. So it's crazy. I don't know what happened, but definitely something we'll be working on and we need to work on moving into the Brumbies this week. Yeah, that actually ties in really well to, um, we, we had a couple of listener questions, which I'll just get up. But one of them was basically asking the question of, well, what are the Waratahs going to be doing all week? They're going to be Morning. training their scrum the entire time. So let me just get that up so I can give the person a stat. Uh, Glenn Phillips, what will happen at Tars training is lots and lots of opposed scrums. Better get some more tape. You're exactly right, Glenn. Thanks for the shout out. Oh, thanks for the response. Um, Anybody else that you want to highlight, Mitch? Um, yeah, I thought Dunguni was very good. Yeah. Uh, right. We kind of expected, we expect him to be good. He proved last year in Super Rugby AU that he is that prolific try scoring winger. Um, and he just showed it again tonight. There's been a bit of chat around him not performing as well for the Wallabies, but I still think he was serviceable in the Wallabies spot. I still think he deserves that um, winging starting position with Corabetti. So I was really impressed with him. He's, he was where he needed to be. He popped up really all over the field, but he was always there to finish off some really nice play. Um, mm-hmm. And he got two tries for it. So well done to Dalguni. Yep. Big credit. So I think what we'll do now is let's move on to the turning point. So you had a particular turning point for this match that you wanted to speak to, and I'll speak to one in the force first Brumbies. Yeah. I wouldn't call this one particularly a turning point. Um, if we were to actually stick to that question, the turning point without a doubt has to be the red card. Um, I guess we'll, ter- we'll talk about that in a, in a minute. Um, but my was just kind of a sum up or a summary of the Waratahs approach to the game, which I think was really one of the reasons that the the Reds got so many points against them. And that came in the, the tribe to Dalgoon in the 17th minute. So what ends up happening is the the Reds kick the ball to the Waratahs. Will, uh, Will Harrison takes it just outside the 22 and he puts a bomb up for um, Jack Maddox to run through. Jack Maddox runs through and tackles, I think, Jock Campbell, who gets the ball. Um, he goes to ground with the tackle player and then he kind of just lies there. Now the Reds recycle the ball really quickly and then start to go wide. What ends up happening though, is that there's no one in the back pocket for the Waratahs covering where Jack Maddox should be. And they spread, it goes to Uru. Uru breaks the first tackle, um, gets his hands free and they offload to Paisami who then offloads to Dalgunu who runs through untouched and scores. Now, if you go back and watch as I did, um, Jack Maddox gets up from that tackle and sort of starts jogging back up upfield towards the opposite touchline. 
where he's just left a massive pocket open as the fullback that's undefended. Jake Gordon is a player like what Jack Manick should be doing is sprinting back to cover that hole because he's left that open and there's now an overlap. The fact that he's just sort of jogging means that he's not really switched on and he's not, his head's not in the game where it needs to be. Um, Will uh, Jake Gordon in, in um, the Waratahs defense is a completely opposite of that sort of game headspace is that he tackles um, Uru or attempts to tackle him who gets the offload. He gets up and then tackles um, Paisami. So he makes two tackles in the space of um, 20 meters when, and it eventually does leads to a try. So it doesn't, they don't end up stopping it, but there's this play there where Jake Gordon is the one that's trying as hard as he can. He gets a tackle, gets back to his feet and makes the next breakdown when really Jack Maddox should be doing the same thing because he's left his position completely open. Um, and I think that sort of summed up the Waratahs for that game. They didn't, they weren't working cohesively as a team. Jake Gordon was doing a lot. He was trying to lead the team around as captain. He was trying to get involved as much as possible, but he wasn't really communicating enough to his outside backs and Will Harrison also wasn't communicating enough with the backs to really um, settle things down and, and to just be game aware. And with the Reds, with their back line, with the ability to break the line and just get um, through contact so quickly, that's how they scored their points. I just wonder with whether your comment there about the lack of communication is a key issue there. Because generally with pendulum defences in this day and age with the back three is if the fullback is going in to chase a bomb, it's the far side winger that will mm. come across and defend in the back line. So Jack Maddox then getting up and going to the wing is probably to replace that winger who should have made the pendulum move he, to go in. He, does, he doesn't come across. Ram, I know, uh, I know. So then yeah. I wonder if that's less Maddox and it's more the winger. But anyway, yeah. anyway, there is an issue with communication there and it's indicative of some of the issues that the Tars are going to need to fix up and some of the quality ways in which the Reds exploited those positional issues from the Tars. Yeah. Um, what I think we might do is turn to the where to from here because we... We've chatted about this game for a long time and we still have the force and Brumbies to get through. So yep. we, we can't go for too much longer. Um, obviously, you had the Parisi red card. I think we can both say that it was well-deserved and there's really no argument there about yep. it. Are you agreeing with that so far? Yeah, definitely. And um, yep. I was, I'm happy to see this, how the, the new rules came into play. Um, it didn't end up yeah, rocking yeah. the game. It was great to see. I was also on the fence with it. I thought that if you'd done something really bad, you your team should sort of cop um, cop the reward or the, the other team should get the reward of that. Um, but I, it ended up not ruining the game, which was good to see. Yeah. Agreed. So moving to where to from here, I don't think the reds have that much to be concerned about aside from the question of, are they able to be improving their away form? comparative to their home form. So this was a fantastic home ground performance. Huge credit to them. Very well done. So the question I have now is, well, how are they going to go away from home? And I think that's an area that they need to be working on in the weeks ahead because it was a massive issue in 2020. And if they genuinely want to be title contenders, that has to be the thing that changes. Definitely. I think this year, the travel's not going to be as big an issue as last year. So we, mm. we saw it from... Um, Different this year, the Waratahs actually got to arrive in Brisbane on Thursday night or early Friday morning. Uh, sorry, Thursday night, 
um, this was a Friday game. So they definitely got there the night before. They had some time to prepare. They weren't flying in the day of the game and then flying home straight away. So I definitely think that that's going to be a different factor this year with the travel. Um, the Brumbies, though, did travel home straight after their game in Perth because I think they wanted to be home with as much prep time as possible. Interesting reason around there, but they did definitely get to the game earlier. Yeah. Well, if we just keep moving on then, um, did you have anything that you think, well, obviously there's going to be so much that the Tars need to be working on from here, but I guess this asks the question, um, you, you on the rugby fixation asked a bit of a, a bit <laughs> of a joking question. Do you just want to kind of repeat that or summarize the question that you asked? Yeah, it was very much tongue in cheek. And I was asking as a Waratahs fan, do we jump ship now round one, or do we naively stick around and hope for improvement um, and then be disappointed come round four when the task season is well and truly over and there's nothing else to do. That's what I asked. <laughs> so that then leads us to really the question of are the TARS, because we're speaking to where to from here for the TARS, there's, you can be really, really pessimistic or you can still take some of that Will Harrison happy juice and be positive about how things could potentially unfurl. And I think I'm sitting in a bit of a middle ground in that Mitch and I were really concerned about the TARS for 2021 coming into the season. And round one has unfortunately dispelled the um, idealistic optimism that I had and has replaced it with a bit of a sense of, um, despondent realism. So I am very concerned that the Tars might only get one or two wins. I think if they get more than two wins this season, that's going to be very lucky and will count for them as a, not inherently as a good season, but not as bad as we thought it could be. Uh, they are a young team. They're a few years behind where the Reds were a few years back with their young squad. If we can keep the, nu- keep the nucleus of this team together, we will be a quality team in a couple of years but we are not a quality team yet. And that's what I'm concerned about. That's where I think we're just going to have to, I think the coaching staff, if I answer the question of where to from here, keep faith in the players, keep picking the combinations and give the team an opportunity to have some sort of continuity amongst a backline that's just been ravaged by an injury as a result of this game. Yeah, I'm um, I'm a bit worried. I'm going to admit it. I, I have fears now that, I had said this in the preseason that it's only going to take us one or two key significant injuries for us to really um, our season just fall off track. And that came in round one. Jake Gordon is probably Jake Gordon or Will Harrison, either of those players we could not afford to lose. And the fact that it's happened now um, at the end of a massive thumping by Queensland is probably the worst outcome we could have hoped for um, leading into this competition. So we we lose experience with Jake Gordon. We lose our captain. I have massive fears that we don't have the caliber of player to replace either of those positions and that we don't have time to build experience in those guys coming up against red hot competition week in, week out. And they're going to go backwards. I can very, I don't want to be the negative Nancy, but I can very well, well see that the players that we bring in, in the centers, if Joey Walton is out for the rest of the season, we may have, and Parisi is is going to be out until at least round six. We're going to have to have a center pairing combination of Moera and who else do you select? I mean, Fichetti is apparently injured, so we don't know when he's back. Um, Moera, probably bring Newsom. We bring Newsom in, but Newsom yeah. and then 
uh, Mawera, who's played about six or seven. He played one game for the Waratahs last year and a little bit in the trial, but they're both not out and out like experienced centers, which is such a pivotal position in that back line. Um, I'm really worried that we're just not going to sort of regain our momentum again and we could just go backwards. Why don't we leave that there, mate? I think we could talk about it for a really long time, but we have to get on to the Force vs. Brumbies game. Otherwise, this pod will be two hours long as opposed to the one hour that we're going to go for. So why don't we move on? Do you mind running us quickly through what happened over in Perth? Yes, perfect. So the second game of the, the round was hosted also on Friday night. Western Force hosted this one in Perth at HBF Stadium. It was the first home Super Rugby home game in four years for the people of Perth. It was great to see. It was officially sold out 50% due to COVID restrictions, but it was great to see. Um, they hosted the, the Brumbies. The final score was 27 to 11. Um, to the Brumbies, which was to be expected, but the Western Force, I think, did a lot better than a lot of people were sort of hoping for. So my first impressions from the game were that the Brumbies are going to win the Super Rugby competition and the Force are going to be really disappointed in their performance. Uh, I thought there were elements of the Force game that were good, but they one of the strengths that I saw in a trial match was the way that Jake McIntyre joined the line and helped to be a second ball player alongside um, alongside Johnny Lance. But having, having him not be at fullback and having Rob Carney there, who is not a ball-playing fullback, he was fantastic under the high ball, had a couple of fantastic banana kicks to find touch and stuff. Like he, he's, he's, he's a class player without a doubt, but he's not a ball player. And so I just found that the the Western force attack was just one dimensional for large parts of the game. And a really interesting stat to back that up is the fact that the Brumbies had 10 clean breaks to the forces one clean break. So the force just had no way of being through. And I think that they're going to need to consider maybe a shift from John O'Lance to somebody else, maybe McIntyre at 10 to start because he seemed to engage the line a bit more and be willing to either take it on himself or at least engage that first defender and put somebody else through a half gap. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to be too harsh on the force because this is the first time we've seen this t- contingent play together, but I kind of expected a bit more. I, um, yeah. yeah. I kind of found myself at, at halftime, they were still well and truly in the game. Halftime, they're looking yes. at a six, yep. 12 score deficit. They'd only let in one try. They were still holding close to the Brumbies and they were still in the game, but sort of by that 60th minute mark, they really started to fall away and the Brumbies were starting to stride ahead. Um, I was expecting to see a little bit more pizzazz from some of those big international signings, a little bit more um, big game uh, characteristics. And we didn't quite see that. I'm not quite sure how long it's going to take now for the force to get to get together that's cohesion is one of the things we always talk about on rugby podcasts and it's definitely i think something that affected this foresight they've come together as a barbarians team and they haven't had a lot of any game time together so we haven't seen any of these guys really be able to gel and, and know how each other play and i think that's really what sort of came undone in that end of that second half they were they were pushing passes and they just weren't sort of trusting their inside man but on the flip side and the, the positive that we can take from it is they definitely hung in there they were able to deny the Brumbies that bonus point and they scored a try right at the end there. So there's definitely improvement to go for the force and I can see them getting better and better the longer they play together. 
I completely agree. I think that the Force have some areas that they can be improving on. If they are able to improve their defensive ruck or like basically the possession of the ball when they when they're the, what am I trying to say? They need to hold onto the ball and not let the Brumbies steal it as much as they did at key moments. Yeah. Uh, that was one of the big killers that they had. Also, the Brumbies were able to disrupt a lot of their lineup ball, even if the force was still able to maintain possession. So technically, technically, they had a 100% lineout win, the force did. But a lot of that was actually really effectively disrupted. So that's just something to be considering for them to work on too. Um, which players stood out to you? I want to quickly say before I let you speak yep. is I just love Feliti Kaitu. <laughs> he is for me just an entertainment, I don't know, ball. I love watching him play. He is aggressive. He is strong. He is competitive and he actually can throw the ball in straight. So there's a lot to like there from the young hooker. Yeah, there was a lot of like from both hookers. They're both really good. Um I was really impressed with Nick White. I think he definitely led this Brumbies team around really well. He was taking, he was playing the ball uh, quite loose from the ruck, which definitely, which made the Western force commit to pillar and post um, definitely sucked in those players because they didn't know which side of the ruck he was going to go. He would go both sides and he was just a, a great running ball running um, ability. But uh, he also paired really well with Noel Noah Lolesio, I was really impressed with him, particularly for his time back in the Brumbies. Uh, we said it in the trial match that he stood up and performed really well after his kind of um, on and off performance for the Wallabies last year. Um, it was great to see him gelling really, really well with Nick White because come November this year, they may end up being our Wallabies pairing. Um, and also for the Brumbies in the centres, I was really impressed with Len Ikatao and Ira Simone, they are starting to form yep. a really, really good pairing together. Um, and yep. they definitely got the rub of over Kuandrani a number of times, which he would yeah. definitely not be too happy about. That, that's an interesting one that I want to speak to because I actually went back and had a look. So Simone's try in the 44th minute was really, really well taken. Basically happens is you got a uh, half break on the right-hand side. Um, the... Western Force are having to scramble and realign. The Brumbies punch it up once or twice in the centre of the field. And then what happens is this, the the ruck is centre field, but the Force haven't had time to realign and get their back spread out properly on either side of the field. So Kurundrani is basically left with two props on the inside of him with a one or two man overlap outside of him. So Rob Carney comes in from fullback and joins the line to try and take the player. But because they're having to to jockey and try and drift in defense because there is that overlap. Uh, Ire Simone is able, well, actually it's Ikatao, is able to get on the outside shoulder of Tevita with this just nice little kind of goose step right before the contact. Just get out nicely on the inside shoulder, arms through the weak tackle, and then offload to Simone who walks through basically untouched. So yeah, um, Tavita's not able to get the dominant tackle to shut that pass down. But some of that is because of the inability of the force to react and realign after Muirhead's uh, half break on a right-hand side. Yeah. So there was a lot to like about the way that the Brumbies were exploiting and manoeuvring the force's defensive line across the park. Yeah, definitely. And I think that comes back to game time and cohesion not playing yep. well together not the the language barrier as well for some of those argentinian guys i think would be a difficult thing to overcome um and i think we will see this 
this Western Force team improve more and more as they play together, yep. which I'm really, really looking forward to. One thing I did want to get your thoughts around. Um, now, obviously, Jono, um, sorry, Ian Pryor is the captain of the force, but I thought he was very well outplayed by Thomas Kubeli when he came on. Yeah, look, I was thinking about this because I didn't want to have confirmation bias because it's an opinion that I'd held going into the match. I didn't want to then see it and just assume that I was right. I think Kubeli did bring more energy but at the same time if you actually go back and watch because Kubeli comes on in the 51st minute yeah. um he is actually not that not that good i mean he gets that late try in the 71st not 76th minute yeah. and the, i mean credit to him the force had good pressure on the goal line he just sniped around the edge of the rock but he actually also made a bunch of mistakes with poor passes missing the player um got caught out a couple of times when trying to go blind side or short side when it wasn't on and just got smashed so i still think he is a better option but i don't think that the coaches are going to make that decision mm. based upon his performance in this singular game yeah uh it's a very hard decision to drop your captain and mm. i'm not sure if cubelli did enough in this match to warrant that decision fair enough cool i just want to get your thoughts on it cool. were there any other players that stood out to you um let me just think. I, yeah, I thought Fergus Lee Warner was really strong at lock along with, um, along with Koteka too. But I think somebody that probably deserves a bit of a standout or a bit of a shout out is Caden Neville. Got through a mountain of work with 24 tackles. So very well done to him. He was an absolute beast within that. It, I think he had a bit of the Rob Simmons effect where you just don't see what he's doing. Yeah. Because I didn't really notice until I was looking through some of the stats after the game. And then I rewatched the second half again and went, oh, wow. Yeah. He is massively involved within everything that's happening. So he's one of those workhorses that just does things that you don't notice but you probably don't you, you probably won't miss him until he's not there if that makes sense that's right um so he, he was really good i thought samu had a couple of really good involvements out wide on the touch line um and he was probably allowed to do that by the hard work that other players like alatoa neville and particularly valentini was doing in tight so slipper and valentini were taking a large amount of the heavy hits in traffic to try and lighten the load, I think, from Samu, who was then given a bit more of a license to play a bit wider. Yeah, and I think that's something we saw last year as well, that oftentimes the backs would do really well to be able to get space to that wing position. And um, it is Samu that's out there. So all of a sudden you've got this big ball runner, number eight or number six playing out there on the wing and he's in space and it's great to see. They scored a really early try last year against the Western Force um, over in in not um, Leichhardt Oval um, and very nearly exactly the same thing happened early on in this game and I thought oh it's going to be play for play from last year but the force have learned and they shut him down quite quickly which was great to see. I yeah. um I really was impressed with Tom Robinson. I we I, we did say in the preview that we I would like to see him have a great a big year. Um, he's kind of been struggling with form at the Waratahs the last few seasons. Um, but yeah, I think he did really well this game and you can, the stats really back that up by the fact that they didn't lose one of their, their scrums. They had a hundred percent, um, oh, sorry, a hundred, yeah, hundred percent scrum, um, dominance for four from four scrums. Both teams didn't lose a scrum on their feet. So I think that's a massive, um, a massive props to their props. 
<laughs> nice. Uh, <laughs> one final player that I ha- just have to mention. I mean, he's in a team. I've got to mention Ryan Lonergan. Now, I'm not just not just mentioning him because of the love affair that I undoubtedly have, but I'm also mentioning him because I really, really enjoyed that final try for the Brumbies by Isaac. Yeah. Uh, Isaac Fines. finds Lelia Sasa. Yep. So he basically what happens is Samo picks it off off the back of a rock. Passes out to Ronigan, Ronigan on the right-hand side, who then does his beautifully weighted ball well out in front of Tom Banks, who's angled his line really nicely to get on the outside of Richard Kahui's shoulder. And then uh, Banks takes it in, gets absolutely smashed by Lacey, but is able to do the little pass off to finds Lely Sasa, who goes in and scores a try. So that was fantastic. All set up by Ryan Ortigan. Congratulations. Can't wait for his Wallabies call up later in the year. <laughs> Love it. Is that enough hyperbole for you? Yeah, Is that good? that's great. That's great. Um, anyway, so it, it was a great earlier, try. So. You mentioned earlier that you've got a turning point from this game. Yeah. Yeah. So the turning point for me was some of the decisions that forced... So it's, sorry, unfortunately, again, it's not a specific like singular decision or tackle or something like that but it's the period within the game at around about the 50 to 55th minute where from Ire Simone's try in the 44th minute the force have basically the majority of possession for the next 15 to 20 minutes and a lot of that time is spent within the Brumbies half and they draw multiple penalties from the Brumbies but they decide to be to, to go for the line multiple times. They decide to go for the line out. And I mean, it results in James Slipper getting yellow card in the 59th minute. But again, they don't take the points. And the reality is, is that they were like in right before um, Ire Simone's try, or even after that, they were only six to 20 down. If they'd taken one or two penalties that they had on offer there and kick them which you would expect players at this level to be kicking the majority of their attempts then they're going to be within what 11 or 8 points and that is just mentally turning the screws on the Brumby Brumbies who are seeing their lead slowly evaporate as they've got a player in the bin later in the match I just think that the Western Force rushed things and they weren't confident enough to just back their team and back their systems to be able to continue to accrue points. And particularly considering they weren't able to get any line breaks. They got one line break throughout the entire game. The fact that they just didn't take the points when on offer blew my mind. And so it's for me about the 55th minute, 55th, not taking the penalties. That was a turning point where they basically handed the game to the Brumbies who were more, game aware and had more kind of gamesmanship at giving away smart penalties to slow the game down and to wrestle back control later on in the match. Yeah. Good point. Good point. It's definitely something the Waratahs were guilty of as well. Yeah. Um, from round one. Yep. Uh, so I guess that leads us to our last point. Where to from here? Do you want me to start from, with this one? Or do you yeah. Yeah. I just spoke for a while. So you jump in. Yeah. Look, I'm worried for the Western force. Um, They've got a buy coming up now, and that's not an. This is not an ideal situation to be in. You don't want to play your first game of competition, get all hyped and ready for it, and then have a buy, and then wait an extra week. Um, definitely, they'll be able to improve on a few things, but I think consistency for this team, particularly, and the game time that they will get to play in this competition is going to be the best thing for them. So I am worried that come round three, they do play the Waratahs at home. 
The Waratahs will most likely be coming off two heavy, um, heavy defeats um, after p- facing both teams that are prob- probably going to be in the final together this year. Um, they're going to be hungry for a win. First home game, it's going to be difficult for the Western Force. Um, so, yeah, I, but I do think that they have the, cap- the ability to gel as a team and they will get better as the season wears on. And I can see them definitely getting a few victories this year. They're definitely not the side that they were last year. They will improve. Yep. They did very well to hang with the Brumbies for so long, but this Brumbies team is just at another level. Agreed. I think the takeaway for them or where to from here is better ruck defense, better variance in attacking strategy. I think with Johnny Lance at 10, they just seem to play really one out ball, one out rugby. And within that period that I, de- that I identified before, it just really didn't seem like they had many ideas beyond just one player out running hit up there weren't any clear backline moves um the the stan sport team did a fantastic analysis of the brumbies attack with the forward screen with the playmaker no lesio sitting just behind the screen yeah. and it's a really basic like one three uh one three three setup that they often do that most teams often do but you just didn't see that as clearly within the force in their structured play. So maybe there's something that I'm not seeing within it that they are trying to do, but I just think that they need to revamp their attacking structure so that they're able to give themselves more opportunities to try and manipulate the defensive line because I thought it was just too predictable for them. So uh, ruck defense or ruck maintaining the ball in the rucks and varying their attacking play are the two things I think the force needs to work on from here. Yeah, lovely. And I think we will see a different performance come round three when they play the Waratahs. The Waratahs, I don't see being as up in their face as the Brumbies were. So they may have a bit more time to spread the ball a bit wider. um, And hopefully we can see some some really good rugby played by them. All right. Well, I think that's enough of that. Let's move on to our round two preview. Well, one other question I did want to ask you before we moved off this area. And I'll only let, oh, you've got one answer for this question. It'll change week to week. But what would yep. you like to see in round two? In terms of what? Anything. Anything. So I would like to see like to a chip and chase, like a chip from a, from a back into about the 10, 5, 10 metres behind the onrushing defensive line, the regather, and then the step of the fullback and then scoring under the post. That's what I want to see. <laughs> okay. Preferably from someone like Dave Parecki on the wing. That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going with a not realistic answer. Love it. Well, my first part was realistic and then I threw a hooker into the mix. So that <laughs> yeah, that's right. The first part's realistic. Yeah. Okay. Now I will, um, my answer to this question, I would really like to see the referees speed up the scrums. It was something that they talked about in the preseason that there was going to be like sort of like a shock clock or um, a scrum set clock. And there was a few times in the Reds game that you could hear the Timo coming across and telling Damon Murphy, like, let's speed it up. Let's speed up the set. Um, it's getting tight now, but he still allowed the Reds to really slow down the pace. And yep. I think that was one of the, that was an issue for the Waratahs. They came out really quickly wanting to play an up-tempo type of game, but the Reds slowed it down. They slowed down the ball at the breakdown. They slowed down the scrums. They really just tried to take as much time as they could, knowing that that's what the Waratahs were wanting to do. It's something that the refs have said they're going to do in this competition, but they haven't done it well in this first round. So I just would really like to see them speed it up because in that first two games, some of the scrums took a really long time to set and it definitely wasn't 30 seconds. Like they said they were going to be. Yep. I agree. I agree. Um, Look, I'm happy with moving on. 
Are you okay with that? Let's go. Let's do it. Let's go. All right. So now we're going to do something a little bit different, a little bit fun, a little bit quirky. This get it's sort of like a game. This what we're going to do something different, interesting, unusual in this segment each week. This one for this week, we're calling it Coach's Corner. So we're putting ourselves in the coaching shoes of the Waratahs. I'll represent the Waratahs and you represent the Western Force. And we're going to say what we would be telling the players at halftime, knowing what had come in round one, in, in the first half of each game, knowing where things were progressing to, what we would tell the teams. Ando, you're, you're addressing the Western Force. What would you be telling them? All right, boys. We are still in this game. There are things that we can be controlling that are going to turn things around. It's only 6-13. There are seven points in it. We can easily be doing this. And remember what we're playing for. We are playing for four years of not having being an opportunity to be in front of the sea of blue. Can you hear all the fans out there? Just listen. Listen. Our fans are out there and we're playing for them. So what do we need to do? Simple. Number one, forwards, step up your game. Stop getting driven back behind the contact line. Make sure that you are pairing up beforehand and stop just doing one out rugby. If we're going to be doing those pick and drives, those pick and drives, then make sure that you're in your pods and getting over that advantage line. And then Jono, Jono, mate, you've got to be smarter with your kicking too many times we're just kicking it up rob you too too many times we're just kicking the ball down the field hoofing it down with absolutely no pressure we're not putting in any contestable kicks we're kicking when they are dictating the play so we need to make sure that we're taking back the initiatives pin them back in that half take the points when they're on offer and put the pressure back on the Brumbies. Cause at the moment they're controlling a the game. This is our home. This is our turf. We are in control. Let's go out there and do this. Nice. Very How's nice. That? How's that? Very I stumbled good. a bit, but look, it's the first time I've ever coached a super rugby team. So I, I'm, I'm being gentle on myself. And what's you, the full-time score? What's the full-time score after you've given that rousing? Oh, oh, they don't put another point on us in the second <laughs> half and we, we get the bonus point win. Okay. Optimistic. <laughs> Love it. All right. So anyway. I'm going to rep- I am going to address the Waratahs now. So at halftime, the Waratahs were down 27 to 7. Um, they had just re- conceded a red card. So it was pretty, pretty dire, pretty difficult, but um, I'll go with it. We'll see what this is what I would say to the boys. All right, fellas, come in. It's all right. You're doing well. Keep in it. You're, you're still in this game. 27-7. Three converted tries and we're back in this. It's all we've got to do. Now, what we need to do forwards, we need to get higher in the contact. We're going low. We're taking the plays to ground, but they're just they're having a field day with their offloads. They're scoring tries left, right, and center through that. I want you to go high. I want you to wrap it up. And I want you to take the player to ground with the ball. No more offloads. They're getting too much a quick ball through us. Backs, we need to take as much possession as we can. Um, when we get down, what we're going to do, we're going to get down in that half. We're going to forwards. We're going to get a penalty and we're going to kick the points. We just need to apply scoreboard pressure here. We keep the scoreboard pressure on it. We keep the ball, we keep the ball in on the ground. We don't let them get those offloads. And we've got these guys. We just need to keep taking the points when they're on offer and the scoreboard will start to tick over. We'll get back up there. We've only got 15 more minutes and then we get a player back on. It's all right. We're in this. We can do this heads up. Keep the chat up, keep the communication going, and we've got this. Let's go, boys. 
I think the problem that we both have, mate, is we don't swear enough as a coach. <laughs> From everything I hear, you need to like break a door as you slam it for emphasis. You need to kind of throw something in anger, have a pointy finger as you yell expletives at the players going, come on, boys. So I think we're both just too nice. But at the same time, a lot of what we're saying does have some truth to it. And how do you think the Tars would have turned around had you been able to deliver your talk? I like to think they would have done it. Um, but from the performance that we saw on the weekend, they really did lose their way in that second half. Heads went down. So they started to fall off tackles and they just really kind of let the scoreboard get on top of them. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't, I think I could have probably put it to them where they need to focus on, but I don't know if they would have done it. <laughs> All right, mate. Should we jump into the preview? Let's go. Right now we are going to fly through our preview of round two and the first game on Friday 26th of Feb will be the Queensland Reds versus the Melbourne Rebels played up at Suncorp. This match will begin at 7.45 and be live broadcast on Stan. The second match will be on Saturday night Brumbies versus the Tars in Canberra at GIO Stadium and that's the simultaneous broadcast on Nine and Stan at 7.45. So let's begin with the Reds versus uh, Rebels. Who are you expecting to get on top? top of this match look there's some real question marks about this game and i'm very much looking forward to it we don't know what this rebel side's going to bring come ra- yeah. their first game of the season there are a lot of question marks around the around them though they do have a lot of players out particularly high players high caliber players out with injury at the moment izzy nice dane hale petty um campbell magne so they're pretty pivotal players in key positions that i'm really kind of worried about but in saying that matt tamua um, and Reese Hodge, that could be all you need, really, to and and Joe Powell as well to lead the team around. Ed Craig's going to be amazing off the bench as well. I'm just calling it now. So <laughs> if he if he gets on the bench with the new signing, mate, yeah, I know there's question marks there, but just one injury and he's still he's still in there. I'm yeah, I'm true. predicting that he'll be off the bench this week. Yeah, okay. I've heard it here first. Um, okay. But yeah, the I don't know how the Rebels are going to front up, but the Reds have put down a massive challenge from their performance at home last week. This Reds team, they're going for the title this year. They've put yep. that intent out there. They know that they want it. They want to go one better. They were clinical last week. They got to the bonus point. They know that's what they needed. The fact that the Brumbies didn't get come away with the bonus point is going to put them at a massive advantage. So I think that they know... They I definitely know that the Reds understand what they need to do to win the comp this year. They just need to get as many bonus points as they can. So they're going to be going for it. So I'm definitely behind the Reds in this one. Um, I'm going to say the Reds by 20. Oh, okay, cool. I I really don't have a huge amount to add beyond your commentary on the match. So I'm happy to just give my prediction. And that is Reds by 15. If it helps, I'd already written it down before you said yours. So I'm not just undercutting you by five. (laughs) Um, And why don't we move on and let's get your thoughts on how the second game of the week will be going. As a quick reminder, as I said before, it's the Brumbies versus the Tars at GIO Stadium in Canberra. Yeah, so Waratahs last week, not a great performance. We've lost some key players. We've lost Jake Gordon. We've lost Joey Walton. We'll have a completely new backline coming into this game. This is going to be our probably our hardest game of the season away at, in Canberra against the Brumbies um, without our talismanic captain. So I don't see how they're going to get up and and get over the Brumbies. Again, the Brumbies are going to be 
upset that they didn't get that bonus point last week. They're going to be eyeing that this week. They're going to be hungry to get that victory, to get that um, to get that bonus point, so they can try and catch up to the Reds. They will. the The one thing is they will know the performance from the Reds the night before, which could be a good thing or a bad thing for the Waratahs. So, <laughs> hopefully, the Reds don't get another bonus point because that'll just make them even more hungry to get that this this week. Um, but I really, I can't see the Waratahs getting a victory, unfortunately. So I'm going to go with the Brumbies by 25, I'm going to say. I think it's going to be... Oh, uh, dude, do I have to change mine? I had by 25 as well, or are we okay to say the same thing? Oh, we can say the same thing. Okay, cool. Okay. I'd, I'd literally written it down by 25. Um, I had by 20 and then crossed it out by 25. So yeah, I, again, you, you've done a great job summarizing these, mate. I don't need to say anything else beyond that, except for I think the injury crisis that the Waratahs are having, having at the moment is going to be a, contrib- a massive contributing factor within what I'm expecting to be a heavy defeat. So that's, that's my thoughts. Anything you want to say quickly? Oh, captaincy. Let's touch on the captaincy because we did have that question come in. Um, I think it was by Hugh Tyndall asking who's going to be the captain. And then Green and Gold said, I'm the captain using (laughs) the wonderful meme. Look at that is. I am the captain. (laughs) Exactly. So who do you just, just tell me the name quickly name one or two players you think are going to be captains. We don't have time to go into it in detail. Harry Johnson Holmes. Okay. Anybody else? Harry Johnson Holmes or Jack Dempsey. I think at this point when they need to pick a captain that's going to definitely get selected is going to be a, a player that will be first choice and be playing big minutes. Both of those mm-hmm. guys don't have anyone else that's really pushing them for that starting spot. Um, and they've also been around the team for a while now. So I think that either of those two guys, I mean, Hugh Sinclair was the um, interim captain. He did the press conference after the game, um, which yeah. I thought was quite an unusual choice considering he hasn't played a lot of game time for the Waratahs, but yep. I guess we'll see. I don't, I personally don't know who's in that leadership group, which Rob Penny has alluded to being a few players. So yeah. Okay. Uh, my guess will be Alex Newsom. So I just think with his role last year, I think he's a natural one to step in. Although the fact that Hugh Sinclair went to the presser could be an indicator of what's to come, but yeah, I think we can quickly move on. So thank you, Hugh Tyndall, for that question. Um, we did have Gus the Robusto, well, at the Robusto, ask any ideas on how the ankle is. Like Mitch said earlier, we haven't heard anything. And it's partly why we delayed the podcast until the Monday night. So we still haven't heard anything at this point. No news is probably still not good news. So the only news we have I heard is that they're expecting them to be yeah. out for at least two weeks, yep. Yep. Um, which doesn't make it sound very good at all. Okay, well, why don't we quickly just roll in right now without a break into the uh, Super Rugby Aotearoa competition. So the first game is going to be the Highlanders. Can I I just quickly say something before we move into New Zealand? Can we just change the name of this competition? It is so hard to get the pronunciation right. No, just just learn how to pronounce it, mate. Oh, I've tried. I've tried. I swear I'm getting it wrong. You've got to get the tongue wrong. The tongue wrong. Aotearoa. It's Tearoa. Um, I love that I I'm learning I'm this off, off a white Aussie guy and not... Mate, I've just guy. listened to enough of New Zealand commentators say it and just copy them. So I'm trying to learn how to say it properly. Please correct me if I'm still saying it incorrectly. I would definitely love to learn. I have tried. So um, I... 
think that these are going to be pretty easy victories to the Crusaders and the Blues in mm-hmm. both rounds. Um, I think that the Highlanders have had such an exodus in talent that they are still just incredibly dependent upon Aaron Smith and a couple of other key players that they don't have the quality across the board to compete against the Crusaders, who ha- essentially have the All Blacks pack, essentially. Uh, so that's going to be a very tough opening round for the Highlanders. Anything you want to say to that? Yeah, I just the, I don't see anyone coming close to the Crusaders this year. Potentially the Blues, um, mm. but yeah, the, definitely the Highlanders are going to f- find this one difficult. But in saying that, they did come close to them last year at home. So True. crazier things have happened. But yeah, this will be an easy victory for the Crusaders, I imagine. And I'm still seeing the Canes versus the Blues going to the Blues. Um, the Canes are a good team. But I think that if the Blues can continue to form in the previous year and all signs are pointing to yes, they are going to do a really good job. And they don't seem to have any huge injuries. Um, I'm just going to quickly double check on that one. I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to go injuries. against you on this one. I think the Canes are going to take this victory out. Being the first yeah, okay. home game of the year, we've got both Surveyor brothers back in the team playing together for the first time in a number of years. And Artie Surveyor has just been announced as their new captain for this year. Massive honor for him. He's been at the um, Hurricanes now for a number of years. Um, and his brother is looking really, really fit and coming back off from a few years overseas. So I think he's going to really want to push for All Blacks, potentially All Blacks reselection. Um, yeah, I just think it get, it'll go down to the wire and maybe the Canes will do enough to, to sneak a victory. Yeah, I'm just concerned that the Canes don't have Yamaga Jensen and Dane Coles. Dane Coles has an injury, uh, has a bunch of injuries coming back from and may not be fit for round one. And Peter Yamaga Jensen was on paternity leave for the final trial. So I'm not sure if he's going to be back for this round, but he may well be. So that being said, I mean, the Canes have Jamie Booth that's still um, out. So that's going to be a big loss for them. And the Blues don't have any major injury concerns for them so that's just they don't have burden barrow yeah correct that's true yeah i don't know all right i mean i think we should call it a wrap there mate yeah definitely i just want to one thing we forgot i just remember we forgot to mention in the news stan sport did announce earlier this week that they are now um playing two games of japanese top league a week which is great to see so if you missed it definitely go out and see um michael hooper made his debut for uh, the Verblitz this this weekend on Saturday afternoon got a good 35-minute uh, stint in there for his new team. It was great to see him playing against um, rival Kieran Reid on the same side. So that was really interesting. <laughs> uh, it's great to see these players over there playing rugby, getting, getting that exposure again. We haven't had that before. So definitely get around that and, and give it a, a view as well. It's great. Awesome. Well, let's leave everything here. Make sure you tune in at 8 p.m. night for rugby heaven. 8 p.m. tonight for rugby heaven. Very excited to watch on Stan Sport AU. Let's get involved. Let's go. See you next week, everyone. Bye. Bye.